Hi, this is Jim Lyon. You're listening to Viewpoint with me today, Jay Harvey. Good to see you again, Jim. And Jay, Quack Daddies. At Quack Daddies. So glad to be here. Quack Daddies is a custom donut shop in Pendleton, Indiana. That's a part of the Indianapolis Metro. And the people that brought Quack Daddies to life had an idea. You could come in and have a fresh donut custom made to your specs. You can have the icing you want. You can have the toppings you want. It's all made right in front of your very eyes. It's fresh. It's succulent. It is mouth-watering. <laughs> it is so delicious. You are but, preaching hey, the truth. The yes. Quack Daddies deal, though, isn't just about the donuts. The donuts are kind of an excuse to get together and talk. That's right. To have community. It's brought life to a main street in a small town. It's a place where people come and gather together, and we're so glad to be at Quack Daddy's with a lot of other people today. And uh, not just sharing some donuts, but you might say chewing the fat, so to That's speak. That's right. Figuring out life and learning from one another. And today we have at our table one of the outstanding members of our community, a guy who just brings so much life, energy, and promise to the town we call home. His name is Jesse Wilkerson. And when we come back, we want you to meet him as I stare longingly at the maple glazed donut right in front of me. Jay Harvard, do you know anything about the name Quack Daddies? Where did that come from? Um, I, I do. And, and actually, uh, Quack Daddies is something that came to, uh, as you said, Pendleton, the Indianapolis Metro, a heart of the Midwest, by two very successful business owners and but have a heart for um, people. And they wanted to create a space for people to gather, to have some donuts, to bring their children. And it's a big, wide open space. There's always lots going on here. And it just brings life to this small town. And the name came from the fact that it's near a big pond at Falls Creek where there are a lot of ducks. And the Quack Daddies is a name that's a gesture. It's a nod to the place where it is. Jesse Wilkerson is our guest today. Jesse is an architect. He's had some great commissions, done some great work, and he's more than just an architect. He's actually a leading voice in the community. Madison County, which is one of the nine counties in the Indianapolis metro. Jesse, we're so glad you're at our table. Well, it's good to be here. I'm full of donuts and feel good. (laughs) How could you go wrong? With great company, great donuts, some sunshine outside near the pond. All right. When you come to a place like Quack Daddy's, you just have a minute to take a deep breath and think about the world. And there's so much to talk about in the world today. I mean, come on. But today I thought it might be interesting to talk about a headline that that just kind of has a drumbeat and just goes on and on. And that's about the state of race relations, ethnic communities, how people groups get together, how they don't get together, how they relate and they don't relate in our country and maybe across the world. No, it's not just maybe everywhere in the world because there's something in human nature that wants to divide. That's right. And we're here today at Quack Daddies and let's talk about how we come together. And let's just for our radio audience be upfront. I'm a white guy. Okay, I'm a white guy who's an Irish citizen by birth, whose father was a member of the Irish Republican Army, imprisoned by the British for his part in the resistance because he felt like he was discriminated against in Northern Ireland as home because he was Catholic. And in his lifetime, Catholics in Northern Ireland were discriminated against in employment, in uh, access to entertainment, in the places where they could live. They were segregated. So, okay, that's my story. Jay, right. you're a white guy. I am a white guy. I'm just kind of an average You're white guy. Just a guy. regular guy. I'm just a regular Harvey uh, white guy. Yeah, that's it. No, no shame in that, Jay. No, no, not at all. We want to just disclose this at the table. And our friend Jesse here, though, I don't think you were born in Ireland, were you? No, but I, I can be Irish on the radio. <laughs> so Jesse is an African-American. Yes, I am. Yes, I am. Black American. Uh, been here in Indiana most of my life. 
And we are so glad to have uh, the chance for us to talk today. And as we start, I just want to throw out a passage of Scripture, which has been one of the most often quoted in the church that I call home, the Church of God, which actually is the host of this broadcast. And it talks about unity because we've always seen ourselves as a people who unite in Christ. So here's what the passage says. It's in the book called Galatians, the Apostle Paul's writing under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. And this is what he says. For you are all children of God through faith in Christ Jesus. And all who have been united with Christ in baptism have put on Christ, like putting on new clothes. There is no longer Jew or Gentile, slave or free, male and female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. And now that you belong to Christ, you are the true children of Abraham. You are his heirs. And God's promise to Abraham belongs to you. Jennifer Wilson, you're the original co-host with me here at Viewpoint, and during all of these years, have you ever been with us to the Holy Lands? I have not. Well, JJ, I want you to come with us next time because we're going to go again in January 2018. Why in January? At the front end of the month, we'll be in Bethlehem for the Orthodox Christmas Eve. And then we're going to walk through the streets of the old city of Jerusalem. We'll be on the Mount of Olives and overlook that city over which Jesus wept. Hmm. We'll go to Galilee and you'll go out on a wooden boat framed like the one Jesus sailed on and you'll see the bowl of mountains upon which the lilies bloom like Solomon's glory. There's so much to experience, so many places to go, the scripture comes alive. JJ, come along with us. And everyone listening, we want you to join us. How do you get there? Check out our website, cbhviewpoint.org. Read all about it. Or give us a call, 1-800-757-VIEW. That's 1-800-757-8439, toll free. See you there. As you listen to our conversation today at Quack Daddies, you may have a thought you want to share, maybe a question to ask. Maybe you'd like to just have us pray with you. Whatever's on your heart, we want you to know we're glad to hear from you. And we have a 24-hour, seven-day-a-week, toll-free number you can dial. 1-800-757-VIEW. That's 1-800-757-8439. We're always by the phone, always glad to hear from you. I'll give you the number again at the end of our broadcast today, but just want you to know, your voice matters. Jay Harvey, Jesse Wilkerson, and I are here at Quack Daddy's, a donut shop in the Indianapolis metro, and we're talking about the sea of conversation in our country these days about race, about how different racial communities, how ethnicities, how cultures, how this this jumble that is the American experience is all coming together and sometimes being torn apart. Does it really matter? Should we even be talking about it? And we've set this conversation up with a passage of Scripture which emphasizes in Christ we are all one, that God is not a God who plays favorites. He doesn't favor one group over another. He's not favoring one color over another or one gender over another or one culture over another. He's interested in people's hearts and their relationship to him through Jesus. That said, the passage emphasizes this kind of commonality of humanity. Uh, You're not slave or free. It doesn't matter about your economic station. You're not male nor female. Your gender is not determinative in your relationship to God. 
you're not Jew nor Greek, and that's a way of dividing the whole of the human race. Right. In the original context, the Jews saw themselves as set apart from everyone else, and everybody else was a Greek or a Gentile. And here we're reminded, no, that's an artificial division. It's, it's not really uh, the game heaven has in mind. Right. Does this conversation really have to take place? Does it really matter anymore, or have we moved past it? What do you think, Jesse? You know, from a, a number of perspectives, I see this as a relevant conversation. Um, I try to think holistically when I'm writing articles for the Herald Bulletin and doing things that I have to do to reach out to people who aren't like me. And I, I have to think from a position of a minority because that's the group that I represent. But I also try to reverse things and think if I was in the majority, how would I converse with others? And I really realize this conversation is more than just a racial conversation. It's more of a minority-majority conversation. So according to the scripture that you read and the things that I think about, I look at minority and majority and think about if I was in a majority, how would I respond to someone that comes to church that's homeless? Well, they're the minority. Do I think about where they're going to go after church? Do I think about what they're going to eat? No, I'm thinking about, hey, I'm going to go get dinner after church. Right. I'm going to be with my family. Right. We're going to do these things. So if a homeless person shows up, I'm thinking through a majority's mindset, and I might send them somewhere or send them, oh, you need to go talk to this shelter. You need to go here and do this. I'm not necessarily thinking about their comforts because I don't have to deal with that. And I think the same thing happens in race. When you're in a majority, there's just certain things that seem like a norm to you until you sit down with a minority and say, wait, how do you feel? What, what's, what's going on with you? Uh, I don't want to just send you to a shelter. I want to find out what the problem is and how we solve this problem. And maybe this isn't my problem because I'm in the majority. I don't have to think about this. But I choose to because as a believer and as someone that's standing on God's word and believing God's word, I'm challenged to dispel darkness. When we come back, I want to just explore a little bit further the whole concept of majority and minority. How do you put yourself in someone else's shoes and how important that is to see the world from someone else's point of view? I'm an Irish citizen by birth, although I was raised up in the United States, and I'm proud of uh, kind of both stories in my past. But one thing that really impressed me as a young man was when my birth father, his name was Edward Jordan, would talk to me about his experience in Northern Ireland. He, he fought the British. He wanted to get the British government out of the six counties of Northern Ireland that still remain with the United Kingdom. He wanted them to be a part of the Irish Republic. And he had a whole narrative about his journey and experience of why he was discriminated against as a Catholic in Northern Ireland, in the Protestant majority uh, culture, and so on and so forth. And he would often emphasize to me, the history that I know about the world is a history written by the English and the British. Now, I'm not here to uh, diminish the English or the British. I'm a fan, but I'm just saying it, it made me think, wow, you know, when, when a story is told, uh, the story of the conquest of the French in Quebec, I've really learned it through an English lens. Right. Uh, when I read Irish history before I met my birth family, my father, my birth father especially, it, it was through an English lens. So this, that's a majority position. And when I heard the minority position, it made things much more complex, uh, much more nuanced. Now, let's bring that to the table as an entree to race and relationships and cultures in the United States today. Uh, my brother here, Jesse Wilkerson, is an African-American. He has a, a son named Jonathan, who I'm telling you, I know that Jonathan. He is brilliant. I mean, yes. the guy is a rock star. How mm -hmm. old is he? He is nine years old. Well, I mean, right. he's nine, and he could be 22 just That's for right. some of the ways he grasps things. I mean, he's a really bright guy and yes. fun with a smile to light up the room, but I digress. You and your wife are raising Jonathan up, but you grew up, Jesse, as a 
part of a minority community, and so does your son Jonathan. How are you contextualizing his own identity and his own story as you're teaching your son these days? Well, you know, I was in high school, and uh, I was in history class, and I kept looking for people like me in the history book. And when I was finally introduced, they were introduced as activists or slaves. Hmm. And I kept thinking, man, didn't we do anything else besides these two things? I mean, weren't we involved in something else, the creation of anything? And so uh, w- the approach we've taken with our son is we begin to look at our place in the world traditionally, uh, where we've been, but we don't teach him the slavery issue as this is the primary point of starting for us. Right, right. We go back and say, hey, here's, here's some of the things we were. We were kings. We were doctors. We were lawyers. We were inventors. We were creators. And so we point to history in a holistic way. And slavery just becomes a portion of that overall picture. So we really haven't introduced a mentality of, here's who we were, slaves, and this is where we started, and this is how we came to this country. We, we go back beyond that, and I think that's so critical because a lot of times, the way we identify ourselves plays out in how we deal with other people. Right. And after I get with anybody that I consider quote-unquote racist, when I sit down with anybody, I sit down with a guy, you know, and, and we start talking, and he said, you're not like them. And I said, wait a minute, wait a minute, let's, let's, let's contextualize this. Let's clean right, this up. Let's figure right. out who am I. And after he figured out who I was, love invaded his, love sure, invaded our sure, conversation. Sure. And he saw that I would do anything for him. And because he saw that I cared about his soul and that I was after his soul and I wanted to witness Christ to him, something broke. Mm-hmm. And the reality is when we begin to speak to each other and deal with each other that way, there's some things we won't stand for. So I've got to stand for what the Holy Bible says first. Again, you're giving people a context of what the Bible says, what you should be as a Christian, and where the light stands, and how close we should be to the light, and how we should be dispelling darkness, and then how we should be informing our, each other, how right. we should, should right. be communicating with our son. Again, the whole objective is to give him a holistic picture so that he's whole. Right. So he doesn't get into a situation where he bumps into somebody that's not like him, right. and he talks down to them. He talks in a different way to them because he doesn't know who he is. His identity is mixed up, and he's got some preconceived notion about who he is that led him to see somebody that's not like him in a whole different way. And as you're just describing that, I'm thinking, wow, you've experienced a kind of prejudice. That's what we're talking about, a prejudgment. Someone looks at you, and and then they make some judgments about you, and you're going, oh, that's not fair. That's not who I am. And then their response is, well, you're not like them. (laughs) (laughs) Who are them? And I mean, all of that. And I'm thinking, boy, does that happen the other way? Are there African-Americans who look at me as a white guy and they draw judgments about me? But then as I, that thought came to my mind, I thought, no, when you're in a minority community, you have to have a much better understanding of the majority than the majority has of the minority. In other words, people who are in minority communities, whether it be based on religion or, or economic status or color, uh, they are forced to adapt to survive. So they know a lot more about that majority community. What would you say, Jesse, to this proposition? The challenge is for the majority community to learn the story of the minority community, Mm. that that's the missing piece of our culture. You know, there's a saying that goes around in our communities and some of our friends that are ministers or business people, they always say, hey, they're always looking at um, the majority. And they say they have all the answers. You can't tell them anything. Even if they come with a solution to, hey, here's how we're going to solve racism. Here's how we're going to solve this problem. Right. We're going to tell you how to solve the problem. And my often response is, you know, I've never been pregnant. Uh, I've never been in labor. So I'm not going to sit and tell a woman how to have a baby and what she needs to do. 
because I just I don't have that experience and I'll never have that experience. So it'd be better for me to go sit down with my wife or sit down with another lady and say, how does that experience feel for you and interview them? Understand what it feels like from their words aspect and say, uh, I need to understand this more. Tell me a little bit more about this experience. What's the first trimester like? Right. What's the first thing you felt? What was the first pain you felt? How did it feel when you ate food? What did it taste like? Was there a different texture to food now because you're pregnant? Those kind of things I need to understand. And so I invite them in. And I have to reflect in all honesty that I have four sons and with uh, my wife and the pregnancy and birth of our first son, I tried the, I'm going to tell you how to do it. It just, it just did not work very well. So on the next three, I did a lot more listening. <laughs> but all of that said, when we come back, let's talk for a minute why this matters. If you're a follower of Jesus, what can you do to really live up to this idea of a unified body of Christ, of one people? See you with him. 
wow, you know, when you start talking to quack daddies, time flies by. There's so much that could be dug a little deeper here. But as our clock is running out, I'm just wondering, what can I do or what could someone listening today do to help bring to life this idea of one people in Christ without mm. regard to race or gender, economic status, but truly unified in Christ. All of us heirs to the promise of God made to Abraham in days of old. So, Jay, you've done a lot yes. of thinking about this. I know you've done some study on it. it. It's deep inside of you. What would you say? What could a follower of Jesus or a local church do to make this verse live today? I would definitely recommend for people to understand that this is God's heart, number one. And number two, uh, take a famous scripture that we all like to say, be still and know that I am God, but change that a little bit and be still and see. Take the time to see your neighbor. Take the time to see the minorities. Take the time to see the poor, those in your community that you, you try to help sometimes, but you don't see them. If they're seen by you, you'll start a relationship. And then that relationship based in Christ will start to change both of you. See, acknowledge, see, acknowledge, engage. That's right. That's right. All right, Jesse, what would you say? Uh, I think from scriptural perspective, there's something that keeps coming to mind. And uh, first of all, I'm thinking about uh, the scripture, Ephesians 1, verse 18. It's actually the whole section of, uh, I think, 16 through 23. But verse 18 says that the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling and what the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. Now, there's a context to that. I'm pulling out something that I keep seeing here that stands out, the eyes of your understanding. I want to pray, and I would ask the listeners to pray that the eyes of their understanding be enlightened, that God would begin to move. And, and it's really a Holy Spirit thing because it's really conditioning your spirit to listen for God. We know we know personal conviction. You know when you're doing the right thing, you know when you're doing the wrong thing, and that's mm. because the Holy Spirit convicts us. Mm -hmm. So becoming more sensitive to the Holy Spirit, I think, is the root of change. So if we get in a position where we're beginning to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit, we're not going to say some things that we hear on TV and we repeat them. That's right. We're not going to actually see something in the newspaper, repeat it, because it's really something that's going out that's not right, or it's information that may be on the fence. And so being sensitive to the Holy Spirit is the key. Yes. Because then we'll know how to treat our brother, and then the Holy Spirit will begin to speak to us, and he'll tell us to do things, and we'll have things to act on. God will say, go over here and send a letter to this pastor. Go meet with this person. Go send this person some groceries. Go give this person some gas money. I mean, I'm talking about little tangible things because I've seen God work that way. He's opened doors for relationships and simple things. He told me to go buy a man breakfast one time, and I went and bought him breakfast, and something phenomenal happened. And I said, God, all we have to do is learn how to hear from you. So I think that's the key is just learning how to hear, uh, hear from God. And then there's another scripture that is John 16, 13, how be it? When he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you in all truth. And I won't read the whole scripture there. You can go read it at a different time. But, again, the Holy Spirit, to me, is the key to functioning and operating the way it should. We've got a mess on our hands. That's right. But it can change from inside the church if we'll do our part. Amen. Everybody sees us, and they, they mock sometimes the church. Well, look at the church. They're as divided as anybody. But if we'll begin to listen to the Holy Spirit, I think he'll inspire us to do things that will cause this thing to be cleaned up. And it, it can't happen. Somebody said this is an ongoing thing. And I want to say this real quick. People say this is an ongoing thing from generation to generation. You're not going to solve this problem. It's existed forever. I believe that there are seasons. And in those seasons, seeds can be sown that can grow into change. That's right. The root can take in a certain season that may not take in another season. I think we're in a season to heal some things with racism today. Now, if the church will take advantage of it. Amen. Today's challenge is also a heaven-sent opportunity That's right. for the people of Christ to stand up 
and model and then breathe life into the world around them on this and so many other issues. We're not sure where you are today, and as you've been listening, you may have identified with something, or maybe you thought, I'm not sure I'm connecting to anything that's being said. Our plea with you today is don't walk by this big area of our country's life. Don't walk by this big area of human relationships and the future of our communities. Open your eyes, open your heart, allow the Holy Spirit to inform and see where that takes you. See the people around you and learn their stories. Make a commitment that you're going to be one who understands what Peter learned meeting the Roman centurion Cornelius. God is no respecter of persons. He does not play favorites, but anyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved and made one in Christ. Start the journey with us right now in prayer. Our Father, we're so thankful today that you know each and every one of us and you have created us, each one, uniquely by your design. We're thankful for the great diversity that you have breathed into humanity, all made in your image, but each representing some of the diverse wonder of your imagination and your persona. We pray, Lord, that we will allow our hearts to be born again, made new in Christ, and furthermore, to be set apart and made whole, sanctified by his Holy Spirit. And we pray, Lord, that in so doing, our eyes will be open to see the role we can play, especially in the present hour, in bringing people together and helping the church be free from all the barriers and divisions that the world would impose on our ordinary lives. And may we be agents of peace and reconciliation and instruments of Jesus, the body of Christ, in these days. May the world be made whole. May the world become more whole because your people became more whole. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Remember, we would love to hear from you. Call us up on the phone toll-free, 24 hours a day and seven days a week. Dial this number, 1-800-757-VIEW. That's 1-800-757-8439. We also have a website. You can go there and check us out online and also send us an email. We will reply. Jay, what's that web address? Uh, Jim, the web address is www.cbhviewpoint.org. That's it. CBH Christians Broadcasting Hope. That's our moniker, cbhviewpoint.org. Or at the last, just send me a letter. Address it to Jim Lyon, Viewpoint, Post Office Box 2420, Anderson, Indiana, 46018, USA. But whether you call us on the phone, check us out online, or use the post, please. Let us hear from you this week. Jesse Wilkerson, always glad to be in your company. Thanks for coming alongside. Likewise. Thank you, guys. Jay, yep, thanks yep. for meeting me up here at Quack Daddy's. Okay, so there's this maple glazed donut that we're staring at during yeah. this whole conversation that no one has touched. That's right. I'm making a grab. What are you doing about it? Well, evidently nothing, uh, because you're the <laughs> do, host. Do, so. do you see my hand on that donut? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> now, I, do I dare now. you to take it out of my I hand. I do now. <laughs> All right. It's also got sea salt. Oh, you're going to be so happy. Oh, thanks for being with us, Jay, <laughs> always. You and you we bet. thank you for tuning in. We hope you'll be with us again next week on Viewpoint as we always try and help you see your world from heaven's view. For all of us at the Viewpoint team, for all of us at Church of God Ministries, which is the host of our broadcast, this is Jim Lyon. Stay tuned.